Okay. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, the invitation to speak here. Uh, I think I, I'm, I was going through the list of talks and I was wondering which is the least relevant talk in the conference or uh, uh, in terms of security, and I think I'm a top contender one of, for, for one of those months. Uh, but uh, because I study uh, mimicry, I study imitation, and um, why do I think it's an interesting thing is because uh, it's a fundamental component of empathy. Uh, the, one of the main components of uh, empathy is what we call emotional contagion, how quickly we take somebody else's emotions. It is, forms a basis for social learning from a very early age. Uh, some people claim that this ability to spontaneously mimic underlies how we learn language and very many social skills. And, and here is this brief attempt to link it to what's generally relevant to this audience, is that some of these mechanisms that are involved in spontaneous mimicry might also be involved in contagion that is seen in online social behavior. Uh, contagion in online social behavior could be something like a video going viral or an insecure practice going viral of some, for some reason. If, uh, if everybody is doing that, then it's okay to do that. And, or even threat contagion. So something that's perceived to be uh, problematic uh, suddenly uh, becomes uh, uh, a panic. Uh, but what I study as a neuroscientist, I study the, the neuroscience of what are the factors that governs contagion at an interpersonal and an immediate way. I use functional MRI, I do facial EMG, behavior measurements, <coughs> a whole range of things. But neuroscientists came rather late to the party on, on spontaneous mimicry. Um, social psychologists were there first, and there are some phenomenal studies showing what are the factors that, um, that drive uh, increased mimicry. Now, studies by uh, Chartrand and Barg and Lakin and uh, Winkelmann and very many others have shown that if I perceive you to be very similar to me, then I am likely to spontaneously mimic you. So that there's a huge role of spontaneity, there's a similarity there. And if I perceive you to be higher status than me, then I'm more likely to, to mimic you if I'm trying to gain affiliation with you. And also, if I perceive you to be less socially distant. So if you're my family member, I'm more likely to mimic you uh, spontaneously than, uh, than somebody who I don't know. But when I was going through this literature, in my kind of rather simplistic mind, I see there is a common theme emerging from all of these high-level social psychological concepts. And that's one, if you want to operationalize it, it's changing the reward value of the social target. So all of these, whether you're more similar to me, whether you're close to me, whether you're higher status than me, you are essentially changing the reward value of the social target. And uh, so possibly it's reward that's driving the, uh, mimic, uh, the extent of mimicry. And, and at that point, when we were starting this work, uh, we didn't, uh, there wasn't a study that actually manipulated the reward value associated with a social target and measured the extent of mimicry, which is what we did. So we did a set of studies uh, using facial EMG that's essentially uh, recording from the corresponding facial muscle when we are looking at other people smiling or, or uh, frowning at us. 
the only manipulation that we did was we created two faces uh, or, or a set of faces. Either they were conditioned with high rewards or they were conditioned with low rewards uh, in a, with the classical conditioning paradigm. And then in the test phase, people would be looking at smiling faces of these highly high reward conditioned and low reward conditioned faces while we record their, uh, the extent of mimicry. And what you see on the top right plot is, um, is uh, this is the extent of mimicry for a highly rewarding phase, and this is the extent of mimicry for a low rewarding phase. This just was a kind of verification of what has been known in social psychology for a while, that yes, if you change the reward value of the face, then you change the extent of mimicry. We just observed it at a much shorter time scale in, in terms of real-time facial EMG. And as any true neuroscientist these days, we did it in the scanner as well. And uh, we, uh, that time, what we were measuring was the connectivity between this one region of the brain which is known for its role in reward processing, the, called the ventral striatum, and its connectivity with the inferior frontal gyrus, anterior insular region, which is known for its role in mimicry. And what we found is, depending on the reward value of the social target, people, the, this, the coupling between these two regions went up or went down. This was all fine, but the interesting thing, and this is my other hat as an autism researcher, is that if people had high autistic traits or people had a clinical diagnosis of autism, the reward value didn't make any difference in terms of whether it got mimicked more or it mimicked, got mimicked less. Now, very often it gets said in, in popular, uh, and, and, uh, popular press that people with autism do not spontaneously mimic or do not show spontaneous mimicry. That is not entirely true. Uh, what, exactly, what possibly is happening is that it's the reward modulation of mimicry that, that we do not see in individuals with high autistic traits. Now, mimicry is not the whole story in in, in, in explaining empathy or in explaining or uh, in, in understanding social behavior. So what you see here is an EMG trace and this is where uh, this person is smiling and here uh, this is an ex evidence of mimicry. Another very important aspect of empathy is perspective taking. So mimicry corresponds to the emotional contagion part of the story. Perspective taking is a top-down process in how I work out your mental state. To test that, this, uh, there is a task that uh, some people in, in, in London and Birmingham have devised called the director task. We, where there is this guy sitting behind a shelf, standing behind a shelf, where some of the cells are occluded from his vision. Now, he would give a di direction saying, like, move the cup to the bottom right shelf, and your job would be to take this cup, which he can see, and move it here. Instead, uh, you have a distractor because you can see another cup at the top shelf. Which, uh, and what we measure is, uh, using eye gaze tracking, we measure how long you're looking at the distractor object. So how much are you distracted by your own perspective before you correct your course and you, you, you do what the director is telling you to. So this maps on to a top-down uh, top component of empathy, which is perspective taking. And what we have shown, this is unpublished data under review right, right now, that, um, uh, that these two abilities, emotional contagion and perspective taking, are inversely correlated. 
So here, th this is a slightly deceptive graph in that way that the, what, uh, what's on y-axis is how long you're looking at the distractor. So the longer you're looking at the distractor, the worse you are with perspective taking. Uh, and, and that's positive. So the distractor gaze time is positively correlated to, uh, to uh, the extent of facial, uh, spontaneous facial mimicry you see. So these are inversely correlated. This is one thing to, uh, that we found. And so, and, and these two abilities are influenced differently by reward. So I mentioned earlier on that if you increase the reward value, you increase emotional contagion. So that's the top part of this line. So it goes right to left, unfortunately. So emotional contagion is lower for low reward, uh, low reward targets. Emotional contagion is higher for high reward targets. But the interesting thing is, if you do the same experiment the, with the director task, and this was done by Savitsky and others, uh, uh, it, it flips around. So for more rewarding targets, if they are giving us directions, we are worst at taking the, their perspective because we somehow feel close to them or we, they, they are more distracting to us. Whereas if it is a le less rewarding target giving us a uh, direction, we are better at uh, taking their perspective. So this is just to establish, again, the, in general, my point was to establish how does reward or changing reward values influence different components of empathy. And, uh, and here are two open questions for this audience that I want to finish with. One is, does online behavioral contagion, which is a real phenomenon in YouTube or Facebook or anywhere we see and, and possibly has huge implications for, for, uh, for security in terms of whatever apps get popular and uh, whatever security holds come with them. Does online contagion show similar modulation by reward? And second question is, are some people more susceptible to online contagion of whatever kind of practices than others? Thank you.